One. Table for one. She was dead. Had to be, Zephyr thought, as he rummaged through her sleeping bag for the third time this morning and found only clothes. The gray sweatshirt and pink panties. The silver ankle bracelet he gave her when she turned seventeen. A pair of old jeans. All there, still sleeping without the body that wore them. No long black hair with a red streak. No big brown eyes to stare right through him. No slender arms to wrap around him. No Keiko. Not even the heat of her. The bag inside was as cold as the air outside. Whatever she did, wherever she went, hours had passed, and the thought of her out there in the morning light with the chirping birds and dewing trees and the biting wind, no clothes to warm her, attacked his heart. What did she do? Where did she go? No answer he conjured sufficed, and only the darkest visions surfaced before he swept them away. A crumpling of tinfoil lay beside an extinguished bonfire. Nearby was the unused condom package he'd flung from the tent in the night, buzzed and stupid and still too scared to pursue the possibility. Even now he still didn't know if she was a virgin. He just couldn't devise an elegant way to broach the subject, and meanwhile he thought he might die one. He replayed the night's events. There had been a fair amount of drinking, some kissing and touching, and a full stop after that. Had she told him that she needed to leave early? No, intoxicated or not, he was sure he'd remember that. No hint of an early departure. He thought he might have dozed off talking about where they wanted to go after the school year ended, although he admitted to himself that his memory had some fuzzy points and simultaneously swore off alcohol forever. Zephyr searched the campsite and then the dirt path down to the lake where she sometimes bit her nails and smoked. He called after her until his throat felt raw. He tried the stoned route back to his car. She wasn't waiting there, and he knew that he couldn't either. Whatever was going on, he needed help. From an adult. If she wasn't home, he'd have to tell her parents everything. That she hadn't slept at Lucas' house last night. His dirty old Volvo was the only car parked unsurprising given the fact that it was now probably midday on a Tuesday, a ripe hour for work and school, the latter of which was minus at least one and possibly two this afternoon. He tried to power on his mobile, but it hadn't taken enough electrical juice yet, so he backed up and started down the road again. Firefly Valley, population 26,000, his home of 17 years, waited just beyond the intersection at Brussels Street. A small gathering of local stores and shops, the Durango Market, Jan's Pastries, Big Five Sporting Goods, McDonald's, and Smile Right Dentist, flowed into each other on one side of Ridge Street just past the intersection. And as he slowed for a red light, he saw that something was wrong. Several vehicles were stalled on the road and sidewalk in front of the market. A red F-150 had crashed into a power pole adjacent to McDonald's, and the impact had not only crumpled the truck's front end, but unhinged the pole, which now leaned to one side. A fraction of a second held three connected thoughts. What? Then, where is everyone? And finally, no ambulance? The accident might be fresh, but he wasn't so sure, and he was just as troubled by the recklessness surrounding the crash. Empty vehicles dead on the sidewalk not a single person outside, and none that he could see in any shops. No other cars passing by. The whole block looked static, produced, fake. He sat there and gawked for what might have been forever. 
Finally, the light changed color, and then he drove beyond the intersection where he rolled the car to a stop in the street. If everybody else can do it, so could he. Stepped out and surveyed the wrecked truck. The front end was mangled around the telephone pole, the windshield shattered into transparent shards on the hood and street, and the driver's seat airbag was fully inflated. It was a mess. He peered through the passenger side window, which had either been rolled down or altogether blown out, and saw no bodies inside. He did, however, find something else, something that caused the tiny hairs on his nape to stand rigid. In the driver's seat, a weathered cowboy hat, belt and buckle, green flannel and a pair of faded jeans, not folded, but stretched and worn, two dirty black boots overturned on the floor mat. The keys were still in the ignition, but the vehicle was off. Zephyr Rockwell thought again of his girlfriend, reduced to a pile of clothes in the woods, as anxiety engulfed him.